Yes, hallelujah. Well, praise God. You would join me today and turn your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and verse 6. We have been talking about faith. Faith is one of the great substances of the scriptures that are under attack. Jesus asked the question in Luke, the 11th chapter, when the Son of Man returned, will he find faith on the earth? Faith is something that the devil wants to steal from you and I. And so today, we're going to discover some great things about faith. But without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is not just faith in the time of need, faith in the time of sickness and disease, faith in the time of battle. It is a life of faith that you and I are to live by. I want you to think what it says. Live by. We are not to just use it as a as some type of tender to exchange with God. God, you said this, so here's my faith. I did this, now you must do this. That is using faith as a form of tender, some type of commercialization, some type of economical exchange, faith for goods. And that's really not faith, what faith is about at all. Now, it does entail goods. Thank God for that. But it is not the main purpose of faith. Faith is given to you and I that we may live by it. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, behold, see, who I am for the life that I am now living, the life that I am expressing to people is based on the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Really what Paul is saying is this, is that faith has been given unto me and I am dead to the old man and I must never allow myself to be ruled by him again. But the life that I now live, I live by the substance called faith that I may unveil God to a lost and blind world. Come on. That I may unveil God to a lost and blind world. In other words, when we use our faith in everything that is going on in our life, we are unveiling the will and the purpose of God. We are unveiling who God is. We are unveiling his will, his voice, his purpose, his desire. And so when people in the world see that, what we do is we become world changers. We turn their world upside down for the simple fact that they see us living by a substance that they do not understand, and it's the substance of faith. Amen. But we have to live by it, not exploit it. Not exploit faith. Because then you're setting yourself up to fail. Why? Because faith is a creative force that is motivated to be used by love. And if we love God, then we will live by faith. If we love ourselves, we'll live by any means. We'll live by any means. Cheating on our taxes. Standing around waiting for the clock 
to reach four o'clock. Stealing shop towels. Sliding out early and somebody punching out for you. See, we'll do anything to get ahead and to live when we do not love God over ourselves. Therefore, we become self-providers. And that's really where most of the whole church, myself and you, are all rooted and founded is in the safety net of self-provision. Self-protector, self-healers. And we could, the list could go on. But this is the life that we have chosen we speak of faith, we simply dare not touch it. We dare not commit ourselves to it, lest God would fail. Habakkuk. Could I have Habakkuk or Habakkuk up on the 2-4? Uh, Habakkuk 2-4. Behold his soul. Whoops, which is lifted up is not upright in him. But those that are truly justified, the just, that man, shall live by what? No, no, it didn't say that. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. no it didn't say that. But the just shall live by what? His faith. His faith. Faith is a personal endowment as a gift. It is given to you to use for life. And it says that we will live by his faith. Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. So faith has been given to you to live by. Somebody say live by. Now that doesn't mean just to have goods by. That means to have our lives transformed by and for as well as to experience the provision of and from. In other words, we are to use our faith to transform our life to be lights of the world. So that will tell you that everything that tries to stop Christ dominating your life has a place that faith can be applied. And that has to do with addictions, that has to do with prisons, that has to do with hurts and shame, disappointments, failures. It has to do with all of that. Some, you know, so many times we say, well, I've been hurt. I was saved two days before I had my first hurt. How old were you? You know, I, listen, I love the body of Christ, but we are a bunch of wusses. I mean, you stub your toe, you try to get a month off of work. We are manipulators. We are vain imaginators. We exploit every opportunity to get something free. We just simply look out and see the fields filled with harvest and complain that they aren't being harvested. Listen, we are just so lackadaisical that it's a wonder the church is still in existence. I heard a Muslim say this. Listen to me what he said. The westernized church has fell into the trap that we hoped it would fall. They will be led by their heart, but they will never live for their faith. A Muslim said that. But a Muslim said, I would never ever follow my heart. I would live for my faith and die for it. And that simply means that the church carries the word of the Lord, as they claim, but they simply put it second place over their own wishes, their own desires, their plans, and their purposes.
Now, do I agree with him? In some manners, absolutely yes. Because we are all too much about us and not God. And I was talking to Phyllis about that, and she looked at me, and she said, Do you think you could die for your faith? I said, Yes. And I will say this, and I will not attempt to compromise to save your life for your faith. Listen, we as a church, when I talk about the church, the whole body of Christ, that which God deems to be his, and not those that represent some charismatic, motivational thing. We have got to start living by faith. I thought you was going to encourage us. I am. I am encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. Let's wake up. Amen. And anyway, I didn't say that. That Muslim said that. The audacity to judge us like that. But that was their hope. That the Western church would fall away from their faith. Woo. That was a, when, when I heard him say that, really? I wanted to lay down love and pick up hate. Because... He was too close to right. So, let's move on. Hallelujah. Now, what faith has done, it will still do. The reason is, is because it's an eternal substance. Somebody say, it's, a, it's an eternal substance. In other words, it's unchangeable. It's not altered and cannot be altered anyway. If it is altered in any way, shape, or form, it fails. It fails. And Paul told us to make sure that we don't, our faith does not fail. That we are to judge it all the time to make sure that it is in faith and that we are not separated from what God really wants us to do. Now, let's go to... a. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And the reason that I want you to look at this is because love is love no matter when or how you look at it. It cannot be changed because it is as eternal as faith. So if we want to see what love is. All we have to do is read the definition. Charity suffereth long. It is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. I told you, see Phyllis right there, that back rubbing stuff. And it says this, is not easily, not easily, I don't even like reading this. I'm finding myself in here. It's not easily provoked, thinketh no ill. It never rejoices in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It bears everything without murmuring, complaining, revenge, repercussions, penalty, witchcraft, manipulation of situations to get back at people. And then it says it believes all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. But where there, where there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now think what he said. The gifts of the Spirit are for the time, the dispensation of the church age. They confirm the identity of Jesus Christ. The fruits on the inside of you identify you. Signs and wonders identify who Jesus is. And your fruits of the Spirit identify 
who you are. But here it says that these things will cease. Why? Because signs and wonders are not eternal. The nine gifts of the Spirit are not eternal. They are for a dispensation, a time frame. So these things will cease, but love is eternal. Faith is eternal because God uses it and has used it to create all that we see and all that we read and all that we will yet see in the worlds to come. Ephesians 2, 6 down through 10. So we know that faith is eternal, love is eternal. They cannot and should never try to be redefined. The definition helps you and I stay in the walk or the channel or the road or the path of faith or love. Just like love is unchangeable because it's a nature of God, so is faith because it's the nature of God. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right. So let's go to Hebrews 11 and verse 32. Hebrews 11, 32. Remember what it has ever done, it will always do. Now some people say, well, the day of miracles is past. Hmm, Yeah. Is that what they say? Why would you ever pray if you thought miracles were past? Yeah, I mean, just some of the stuff that people say is just so ludicrous that the people that hear ought to put it on slow, rewind, and listen again. Amen? And it then says this, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jethany, and of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through, somebody say through, or with the substance of faith, not their own initiative, not their own planning, not their cunning, not their craftiness, not their skills. Through faith, they subdued, conquered, brought under submission kingdoms they wrought righteousness righteous lives are born out of the faith life and any time that sin continues to dominate it simply tells us there's a lack of faith in that individual's life and then it says this they obtained promises they stopped the mouths of in-laws oh no i mean lions okay yeah i'm sorry all right They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. And it says women received their dead raised. Somebody say raised. For all those people who don't believe in miracles, faith still raises the dead. Now the challenge would come, well, why don't you just raise them all? Well, there goes into another subject that those are discrepancies that God does and it requires the gift of faith instead of just mere mortal faith. And then it says this, and raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had Trials of cruel mockings and scourgings and yea, moreover of bonds and of imprisonment. And they were stoned and they were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented. Next. There you go. And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise... Oh, there you go. Thank you. Having God having provided some better things for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Notice that it doesn't seem like 
Everybody got delivered by faith. Some people died in faith. They were stoned while living by faith. They suffered hunger, tortured, rejected, buffeted, beat, scourged, cast out. But I thought faith could do. Faith is provided for you not only to live by, but then in the end to obtain your salvation. In other words, there were men that never got delivered, but they received the strength to endure. The Bible says if you endure to the end, so shall you be saved. Now, I'm presuming that they had more faith than the typical Christian today. Oh, so-and-so didn't shake my hands. They don't like me. That church has no love in it. <laughs> but see, what is that? What is that? That is, what, what do they call that? Eccentric? Uh, you are way out of bounds because you are emotionally hurt, vulnerable, open to offense. Well, they offended me. Did they do it on purpose or were you just looking for somebody to blame? Somebody said, well, so-and-so said to me, and that, 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 just, that just offended me. So-and-so wasn't me, and so-and-so wasn't everybody else in the church. You're just looking for a reason to throw a fit. Now, straighten up. Could it get an amen? Toughen up. Toughen up. Get some grit about you. Go watch John Wayne movies. True grit, praise God. Put some reins in your teeth and ride toward the enemy. Hallelujah. All right, so we see that whatever love did, it always does. And whatever faith did, it will always do. And so if you want to see what faith would do, just go through the New Testament and see what others receive from Jesus through their faith. And that's what's available to you. Now, Galatians 3, 5 says this. I would ask you one question. He that worketh miracles among you, doth he do it by the, word, by the hearing of the law or by faith? Every miracle is a direct result of faith. What is a miracle? And a divine intervention into the natural course of life. And so the devil may be doing something and put you on a road of a bad report of death, of cancer, or of poverty, of bankruptcy. I don't know what he's going to do. The Bible says that in Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, you never know when evil is going to hit you. Just know that evil is enough for the day that you are in. Jesus warned us of that. Tomorrow has enough evil of itself. You don't have to think about it. It'll show up and you'll have to deal with it. All right. So here it says that miracles, all types of interventions happen when people hear about faith. But if you don't believe that faith is for you or for the believer or for today, you know what? That type of faith will get you nothing. Nothing. Now, let's go to Acts 14.23. Acts 14.23. This is where we're starting our message today. Everything else was a part of the announcements. So, uh, you can't hold this, that against me. All right. And when they had obtained, ordained them elders, I'm sorry, ordained them elders in each or every church, and had prayed with fasting. <laughs> and they commanded them, commended them to the Lord 
on whom they believed. Let's go to, uh, let's go up to verse, boy, did I write that down wrong? Acts 14, 23. Let's go to 22. Now I'm looking where an effective door, where they opened the door to the disciples. Go up another verse. Let's go up another verse. I'll tell you what verse, you better get in there in the name of Jesus. Think I'm going to rewrite the Bible? No, I'm not. Hallelujah. What is it, 27? All right, now I'm going to trust you. Go to Acts 14, 27. Ah, thank God. Thank you, whoever did that. Next week, only pay 18% tithe. And it says this. And when, and when they, a man with such faith could do that. All right. Now, when they were come, they had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Open the door of faith. Somebody say of faith. Faith is like a door. That word door simply means this. It means to give access to the kingdom of God. That's what faith does. Faith gives you access to the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's not God, fear not, little flock. It's God's will to give you the kingdom. But faith is the door that allows God to fulfill his word. Without faith, God is not obligated to fulfill his word. He's not obligated to save the sinner if no faith is there. Or to rescue us if no faith is there. All right, then that word door means opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to do something. Faith gives you the opportunity to do something in a hopeless situation. See, you remember that in uh, Second Kings there were four lepers there and they were saying, why do we sit here and die? Let's get up and go down to the camp of the Syrians. Well, they'll kill us. He said, we're going to die anyway, man. So they got up and God took their little act of faith and caused it to sound like the sound of an army. The Syrians ran out and lo and behold, them little lepers got fatter than frogs, buddy, in the springtime. And they took food back to the camp. Now, you know what? You can set wherever you are. You can set in the problem that you have created. You can set in the problem that your family has created, your kids have created. You can set in the place that your lackadaisicalness or passivityness or, or uh, your laziness, your slothfulness. Maybe you lost your job and it was your fault. It doesn't matter how you got where you are. Faith opens a door of opportunity that you don't have to sit there doing nothing. You can invoke and open a door that God can come on in to your problem and that God will walk with you and bring you out of it. Faith opens a door of opportunity for healing, for provision, for life, for mending, for reconciliation, for promotion, for victory, for freedom. Whatever it is, faith opens the door and presents the opportunity for you to stop handling things on your own. The word means it is the door of opportunity for God to be your provider instead of you being your own. Remember the Bible said the devil is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
who's he looking to devour? Self-providers. People that think they can handle the devil on their own. And I don't care how many mother-in-laws you've had, the devil is greater than the mother-in-law. Amen? And she may be a training ground, but she's not the real thing. Now, listen. The Bible says, cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. If we stopped today and we were all honest and we said, have you got problems that you haven't cast over on the Lord? All of us would be guilty. And we're hoping we don't get teeth marks on us even though we have rejected God, shut the door of opportunity, and are trying to handle it on our own. Financial pressures, we all want to hold back, yet the Bible says that whatsoever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, down through 10, look, purpose in your heart what you're going to do with your seed. And God will multiply the seed that you sow. But what are we doing? We're trying to find new ways of inventive loans. I got a check the other day that Phyllis quickly ripped out of my hands. That it said, you know, it, it wasn't legitimate, but it, it had like $35,000 on it. I said, Phyllis, we can pay this back. Like, look, look how little the payments are. When I woke up, there was a fire in the trash can. She was burning it. What did you see? Stars. She said, are you nuts? You can't sign that. I said, it said right there to Peter Dosak. She said, at Phyllis Dosak's approval. You ever get one of them? Why did they send them to you? They're trying to get you into their system. So we got to realize that we have an open door for an opportunity. We can trust God or we can reject and shut the door to God. Remember when Moses stood at the Red Sea? God created a way where there was no way. Now God can do that for each and every one of us. You might say, I, I, I just don't know how to do it. I, you know what? It's not yours to understand. It's yours to find a place to use your faith. Amen? See, sometimes we want to try to understand anything. Look, nothing about God is understandable. I don't understand love. I know I'm hooked on it. And the love of Christ constrains me. And the fear of Phyllis contains me. But I love Phyllis. I don't know why. For, for what all is in my brain I can't figure out. Why do I stay here and be tortured? She puts me out to work all day long, comes home, and asks me, what are we having for supper? Well, I don't know. I've been working all day. You should have thought about it on your way home. I said, I give you all my money. She said, surely you could find some someplace. I said, I looked through all of my drawers. No more change. The other day, I had to go into a Chinese restaurant that Phyllis wanted a bowl of what in the world is wonton soup? It looks like urine with dough in it. And so she... she have I thought of that? Yeah, but I wouldn't do it. Now, so I go in and I, I, got, a, I got two handfuls of quarters. I said, how much? The guy looked at me and I said, look, I'm married, man. He said... $2.75. I said, okay. Now, the problem with that is, when I head home today, 
she's going to say, honey, do you have any money? I don't have any money. I have a credit card that I'm not allowed to use, but I don't have any money. Why do I love Phyllis? I don't know. I'm telling you. It is a miserable cycle. <laughs> Honey, take out the trash. I could have got this in prison. <laughs> but I would have had three square meals and a warm bed. <laughs> Moving right along. I don't under, do you understand love, David? Does Sharon love you? Stand up. Turn around and look at that congregation. Can you conceive why any woman would love David Hewitt? Oh, how she loves me. Yeah, I, I believe she does love you. You're her sugar daddy. That's why. Now, any, now, so, now, let's, let's, let's find out how to use our faith. Because having faith will do nothing for you. But using your faith will do everything that is done for anybody else. So let's look at how to use our faith. Let's go to Second Chronicles 20. And let's look at verse 14 through 17. 2 Chronicles. There you go. Thank you. And then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeel, my word, the son of Joe and Ben, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, the son of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he, the Levite, said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now the background of this is, that these armies are coming against Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat rehearses to God, we've done nothing to these guys, but they've come to destroy us. He did not make the battle, but he needs God in it. And then it says, tomorrow, go you down against them. Now behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerel. And ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand you still, see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed, for tomorrow you go out against them. For the Lord will go with you. Now, let's go down to verse 21 through 25. So notice that they get a word from God. Anybody know what comes from hearing the word of God? Faith. And it says, and when they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, somebody say the Lord, set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come out against Judah, and they were smitten. And the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay them, destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every man turned to destroy another. They lost their mind. Next verse. Oh, I'm sorry. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. 
And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels with they stripped off of for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Now they get a word from God, a promise. And what do they do? They just begin to praise God. Just begin to lift up and radically worship and praise God. Now remember, faith is a door that gives opportunity. What happens as soon as they start praising God? God steps in the door. He sets up ambushments. He touches the mind of their enemies. And they turn one on another. And all they did was believe God and put faith in motion. Where are you, Annie? Come up here. Uh, can you catch that microphone there, Ray, on your way up? Ray and Annie, I heard that you have, like a testimony, come on up here, a testimony about using praise for something. I do. I got a great one. It's a Jehoshaphat story, too. Oh, it is. It well, is. It's really weird that you would ask me to do this. But uh, well, <laughs> Annie said she didn't want to come here because she'd cry, but she'll hang in there. Okay. Um, so this is kind of a funny story, and it's not funny at the same time. But uh, in uh, 2004, Annie and I moved to, this is an old story, we moved to a new house. And uh, we lived there six months, and some wacky neighbors moved in next door to us. And, um, <clears throat> man, they were weird people. They were weird. Uh, and they started talking to us about Jesus. And we're like, Annie, Annie was very receptive, and I was, uh, I was not. So I was like, uh, I don't need any of that, that stuff. So a long story short, um, we, through these wacky people, we got saved and we started coming to this church. And um, that was in 2005 or six. And uh, then what happened was uh, I was learning and Annie was learning and we were listening to your teachings and, uh, and we were reading the Bible and we were, you know, we were doing our normal lives. And uh, because of some things that went on, I, I had a job where I made a lot of money and I did very well. And I thought, you know, I'm doing really well. Well, I lost my job. <clears throat> so when I lost my six-figure job, I came home and I said, uh, Annie... I lost my job. And she said, first words out of her mouth, she said, don't worry about it. We'll get through it. it you know, Jesus has our back and it'll, it'll all be okay. And I, I looked at her and I was like, okay. I, I half expected her to say I'm leaving you. But <laughs> right, right after that, so I didn't have a job. So right after that, uh, my dog died. And he was a precious little dog that I loved dearly. He died. And I was like, well, now I lost my job. My dog died. And that's the one we do mass for every Sunday. Yes. No. Um, and then, uh, and I'll try, to, I'll try to hurry through this, but then, um, then my basement flooded. And I got to meet Paul Schwartz. Schwartz Contracting came over and pumped out my basement. And I'm like, now the basement flooded. And we had, we had it spent three weeks trying to figure out why the basement was flooded with four inches of fresh water. And so I was like, okay, lost my job. Dog died. Basement flooded. I'm good. Uh, then um, he, God, God preserved us through all of this and he, uh, Annie had bought me the equipment to write songs and record songs and I've been doing that you know, since but God put on my heart write some songs and sing them and praise me and so I, that's what we did we started writing songs and I started singing them I started praising him and they were horrible but they were, you know, I liked them and, and, uh, and I think God liked them but we started singing songs, and we never missed a bill payment. Now, now we didn't have a lot of savings, okay? We weren't people. We were deeply in debt. We were the kind of people, we're made, we made it. We're the example. We are so deep in debt that we don't know what to do. And I was like, what are we going to do? And, 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 God, and the Lord put on my heart. He said, just rest and praise. And so we kept praising. And we never missed a bill. And I was, out of, I was unemployed for two years. Well, what really happened that was cool is my mom came to visit me during this time that I was praising, and Annie was praising, and we were singing, and we were writing songs, and I'd take her a new song, listen to this song, and she'd say, 
she was a good wife because she'd say, those are awesome. And I'd say, wow, they're, they're not awesome, but thanks. So, <laughs> so anyway, my mom came to visit, and when she was there, I said, Mom, you know, you taught Sunday school. You believe in Jesus. You need to, need to accept him into your heart and confess and accept, you know, and, and just accept him. And can I pray a prayer with you? And she said, yes. So I prayed with my mom. She accepted the Lord. She went home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, three and a half months later, she was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I didn't have a job, so I got to go take care of my mom for the last three months of her life. And I got to sing to her, and I sang some of the songs I'd written, and, and uh, I know that comforted her. And I got to spend time with her through that process and got to hold her hand when she passed away and knew that she was going to see Jesus. And I was like, kind of jealous in a way, but at the same time, I was like, thank you, Jesus, because you saved my mom, and you did all these things, and you got us through all this, and a week later, I had a job, and so I know he orchestrated all of that through, uh, through the process. And was the second job six figures, too? Yeah, and by the way, uh, if, if you had time for me to bore you further, uh, through the process of doing all that, it prepared us for everything we've been through since then. And he has recouped everything material that we lost. And we didn't lose much, but the material things we lost, he's recouped it all. And we're in a better place now. We're debt-free. We're, we're in a better place now than we've ever been. So, wow. so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Ray. Give me the microphone, Ray. Yes. Tell you. <laughs> so praise... Is, is one of the languages of faith. Now, there are multiple languages of faith, but praise is one of them. And it's one of the ones that you and I, as believers, should be very accustomed to. We praise God in our services, but we ought to take time to set aside and to praise God even in the midst of the hard times. Even in the midst of when everything is falling apart. Remember Paul and Barnabas? They got cast into the inner cells. Well, they were down there in Acts the 16th chapter. They were, I know you know these stories, but you know what? They're still, with, still filled with faith. And so what else would you preach? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream? That won't get you any faith. Now listen, they were in the prison and they begin to pray and to sing praises and praise songs. And when they did, when they did, the same God that is on the battlefield with Jehoshaphat shows up in their prison. And God removes the... Uh, the uh, Bankments of that prison and the prison begins to shake and every door opens Listen, if you have a life filled with praise, it will affect people that are around you It will let them know that there is peace no matter where you are God is on your side and the battle is not yours, but it is God's hallelujah and I believe that God can break prison doors in our life today. I believe that. Remember that faith is the door that gives God opportunity. Remember where Peter and uh, James were taken and James was killed by the sword, but Peter was being held over until after Easter? Peter was there and the church began to pray. In other words, the church gave God opportunity. And God sends an angel down, comes through the door, tells Peter, get up. And Peter thinks he's dreaming. I must be having a vision. No, but then he really kicked him. He said, oh man, come on, like give it a break. Peter wakes up. The angel says, get your stuff. We ain't coming back. And he comes and the door opens on its own. The other prison door opens on and on. And while they're going out of the city, the gates of the city open up. And Peter goes to the place where they are praying. 
Listen, God knows when his people assemble by faith. And he started calling out, hey guys, hey guys, hey, I'm here, let me in. The damsel said, man, there's a guy who looks just like Peter out there. They said it must be his angel. Israel believes that every Israelite has an angel that looks just like them that beholds the face of God. But they come out and they said, oh man, it ain't his angel, it's really Peter. So here comes Peter. Listen, praise will give God the opportunity to come into your prison, to come into your battlefields, to come into your limitations. It will cause him and allow him to show himself strong. And we as a church, as well as our families, need to see God being strong. I'm talking about when you pray about something. That you take a time every day. And you say, Father, I just want to thank you for what you've done for me when I prayed. I want to thank you, God, that this happened. I want to thank you, God, that this happened. God, I just want to, God, I'm over, so overwhelmed with praise that, God, when I sowed that seed, I know, God, that your word is unchangeable and that, God, you never fail. God, you have multiplied my seed that I have sown. Men and women, God, are being directed of your spirit to deposit it into my life and into my bosom. I thank you, God, that you truly are the provider of my life. Take time to remind, because if you just take time fighting the mental battle, mental battles are not doorways of invitation. Acts of faith are. This act of faith was praise. Could it get an amen? It was praise. And so God comes and he touches their life and changes them. Praise is a language of faith. Next week we'll pick up about how we're going to release faith in other ways. But folks, if you can't do anything, maybe you're like Ray and Annie, just a young Christian, doing what they do, learning, going on. But they did know about praise. They just knew that God... We don't understand it all, but God, we do believe what you said. And God, we are praising you and we're giving you thanks. And in a two-year period of time, things went wrong, but their praise never died. Come on, their praise never changed its canter. It kept praising God. What is praise? Praise is a prophetic proclamation of the end that is on its way. God, I thank you that you have delivered me. That is a prophetic word of what's going to happen. Jehoshaphat and his armies and his people went out to worship and to praise God. They were saying, the Lord has spoken. His mercy endureth forever. We'll not be bound by fear. We'll not cave by dismay. We shall see the salvation of the Lord, for he is for us and with us. Praise God. Start thanking God. Sit around the table. Thank God. Cause your children to thank God. We pray, let's just thank God that the prayer that we uttered as a family has been answered. Come on, teach them how to fight the fight of faith. Teach them how to wage a warfare. Teach them how to steal the avenger. Teach them how to paralyze the adversary. Teach them how to resist unbelief. Teach them how to resist the adversary like Abraham did when he lifted up his hand and was not weak in doubt, but he was strong in faith, giving proclamations of God and extolling God and unveiling his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
We aren't raising complainers. We are raising people of faith. Amen. Amen. Our children are people of faith. Hallelujah. I had a... uh, some of you might know him, Mark Harris. He, he's like 50 or 55 when he retired. He just, God bless him, he's just filthy rich. But he never took us with him. And his little girl, you know, they would, they were, they would go to these nice restaurants. Not like Arby's and where you take me for pastor's appreciation. <laughs> McDonald's and and Clancy's, and I don't know where you get those names anyway. But so they're in, in the middle of this real nice restaurant, and his daughter said, Daddy, you want to see what I learned today? He said, Sure, honey, tell me. She said, Oh, I can't tell you. I got to show you. She gets down on the floor and just starts boogieing. Praise the Lord, I am the seed of Abraham. He said, Oh, my God. What are you doing? He said, I realized she wasn't ashamed, so I shouldn't be ashamed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. There's a healing taking place in a, uh, right behind an ear. It's really not an ear infection, but it affects about half of your ear, the bottom part of your ear, and you can't hardly put your finger on the back of that ear. That infection is being cleared up right now in the name of Jesus. Now, God, we worship you. You sent Jesus Christ, your only begotten son, to Calvary. We could not go there and pay the penalty for sin and live. But Jesus went without sin and he died for our sins he bore our transgressions and our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him when he died on Calvary through the shedding of his blood for our sins you on the third day father raised him from the dead God we believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. We believe that He is the truth, the way, and the life. We believe that no man can come unto the Father except the Holy Ghost draws him. We believe, God, that You have declared that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be saved, shall be saved. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, that simply means that you're separated from God. You're a sinner. But it doesn't mean you have to stay a sinner. It means that the blood of Jesus Christ is a continual fountain flowing for every man to have his sins washed away. God doesn't ask you to do anything except to believe that Jesus Christ was his son and to believe that he died and to believe that he was raised from the dead. And then he asks that you make an open public confession of him in front of men. And your life will be totally changed. Your sins will be washed away. You'll be transformed into a new creature. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, will you please pray for me? I know I need Jesus Christ. That's you. Raise your hand up. Wherever it is, wherever you are. Let me see your hand. Make sure you raise it up high. Am I missing anybody? don't want to miss anybody. Anybody that says, Pastor, that's me. Okay, praise God. Then I'm glad that if Jesus comes back, we're all gone. Hallelujah. You won't just be saying, oh my God, there goes pastor. <laughs> all right, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet.
Praise God. Wednesday night is Mark Casto. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a growth on somebody's uh, uh, left uh, breast area. I don't know if it's a male or female, but you've been concerned about that. But if you'll put your hand on it right now, God is going to dissolve that. Don't worry about the root of why it's there because if it goes, everything else will go also. It cannot exist, nor can its source exist if it's taken out of the way. Now I command right now that tumor, that growth on that breast area, I command it right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of them in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. I thank you for it. Now, Father, we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Now, I want everybody to turn and face this camera right here. Uh, we have a, a brother, Rick Musser, is dealing with a uh, ruptured disc. And he doesn't want to have surgery. And uh, he wants an alternative treatment. And I believe that can also be the name of Jesus. Now, Father, stretch forth your hand to that camera. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command that ruptured disc. In the name of Jesus, I command you, you devil, loose him. Come out of him right now. And I loose the working of miracles into that disc. I command all pain, go right now. And God, I loose the working of miracles in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.